You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. With Christmas just around the corner, I've found the perfect gift for your family. The gift of protected growing. Sure, you know all about soil science, integrated pest management and microclimates, but it's hard to impart all of that wisdom on other people, isn't it? The VeggiePod is probably Australia's most well-known raised garden bed. They're functional, they're durable, and despite what my guest Simon Holloway will tell you, they actually look pretty nice. He's the co-owner and head of community, and I admire not only the product that he and the team create, but also the business that they're operating and the VeggiePod brand itself. This episode isn't sponsored, but Simon's a supporter of the horticulture job board I built at hortpeople.com. I hope you're able to learn a thing or two from one of the best innovators and marketers in the Australian horticulture industry. G'day, Simon. Welcome to the show, mate. Oh, pleasure to be with you, mate. So let's just start off with like the most basic question. What does the veggie pod look like? Um, yeah, well, we've had many things uh, <laughs> exclaimed over the years as people come across us at shows <laughs> that, and they all think they're funny and say the same joke. You know, it's, oh, is that a casket? Is that a barbecue? Is that a, yeah, yeah, we've had it all before. So um, look, I don't know. Um, look, basically, from the outside anyway, they look like a, standard bed in some ways in terms that they have black four walls and which contain the soil um but they're a bit a little bit different in that we have our uh, you know a bit of our signature key meshed canopy that's when, when we start explaining to people who don't know the brand name sometimes we start saying well it's the one with the white canopies that swing back and forth they usually oh yes now i know so that's <laughs> that sort of um and people have said they look like um the old Wild West uh, uh, wagon canopies in a shape, in a way, with that arch. So we get that a bit. Um, with the, the stands and the, the trolleys, the black steel stands and trolleys, they're quite um, noticeable as well. So, look, it's a, it's a raised garden bed sitting on stands with a canopy over the top. But it's what you don't see that's just as important, you know, and, and it's, the, it's the wicking beds, the self-watering reservoirs underneath, and it's the missprays. Uh, through the ceiling and it's the overflow mechanisms and it's the the microclimates of what the canopy produces that, that's going on as well. So all of those other unseen features and benefits perhaps uh, are also what makes us just as much veggie pot as what it is uh, visible as well. Mm-hmm. That's great what you said there about the wicking beds and the climate control and you've got the netting over as well. So it really is basically a whole all-in-one protected growing environment for especially veggies, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Look, it was born out of uh, the desire to hit all those pain points that one has typically in the backyard for uh, uh, vegetable growing or herbs or, or fruits or whatever. But yeah, for edibles. So um, you know, that, and that was the idea. You know, as as, as most of the listeners here will know, since they're all uh, horticulturally minded and, and professionals and whatnot, um, the the edibles have a particular demand. You know, you know, they're all different. Um, we, we're not into trashing ornamentals whatsoever. We, you know, as gardeners, we love every single plant. And um, But this was made for vegetable growing. So uh, the demands of vegetables, they're often thirsty, uh, you know, when they're wanting to grow fruit and roots and, and, and vegetables, you know, they, they will often require a lot more water. Um, they often require 
uh, a little bit more care in terms of because not only do humans love eating the veg, so do other animals and pests. So uh, the canopy is a real killer for us. It's um, it stops the pests both big and small, and um, that's why it is there. Not just for the microclimate itself, but as a repellent of pests and weeds and harsh weather. Those things that, as uh, edible gardeners know, we often suffer from. So. Um, we, we actually took these off the Australian seedling farms. They're used in Australia and New Zealand. Um, it was quite funny, you know, a bit of Murphy's Law. We searched high and low all around the world for what would be the best sorts of uh, canopy um, mesh and, and, or netting or exclusion netting, whatever you like to call it. And uh, lo and behold, we found it in our backyard after coming back here in Australia. And, and the Aussie farmers use it for a reason. You know, it's tough, it's strong. Um, their livelihoods depend on it. it it's rigid edge stuff. It, it, it is permeable, so you'll notice that it's a mesh. People think it's a straight plastic. It's not. It's a mesh. So it breathes for the plants in the warmer months. It allows that uh, rain, which, of course, I know we feel like we've had enough now, but as Australians know, that will come and go. Um, so it does let the rain through when we need it. Um, and it lets all the light in. So, again, looks looks white from afar, but it's opaque when you get up close. It lets 85% of the light in, which, again, we're talking about edibles. We know edibles need a lot of uh, sun, a lot of photosynthesis, a lot of energy to get growing those big roots and big fruits. So we are not in the green mesh game. Uh, if you want to look pretty or if you want to have it black for you, we're not growing orchids. We're not doing the greenhouse here. Um, it is about vegetable growing. So, again, that's why we've chosen this one. Um, we have, you know, a significant growing depth and a significant soil base. You know, that yes, they are heavy for a reason because we want lots of soil. The more soil that we have, as everyone knows, the more food it's got, the more nutrients. It's got a better home for it to, to have its structure within. And so uh, we are uh, unapologetic about having a big, proper garden bed. They don't get stolen, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> we put them in, in some quite dodgy areas and they don't get stolen because they're heavy. And, and so, again, for the vegetables that, that require a lot of uh, nutrients and a lot of uh, structure, um, we've had it designed that way. Um, the large veggie pod will hold up to 50-odd litres of water. Now, even in Australian summer, that can last you two, three weeks uh, without any watering, which is another you know, critical part to, to success. So um, that microclimate, yep, it's key. You know, people, you know, we've had horticulturists wonder why they go so well to our vegetables in there and they go, you know, what's the little trick in it? And I said, it's just a healthy cheat. You've got... The microclimate isn't it? a big word for something a bit different inside than it is outside. So, yes, we abate the winds, we abate the frost, we abate the harsh sun, and we create a nice stable environment in there and the plants can just concentrate on growing without having to fight off pests and weeds and, and weather and take the water when they want and we can turn the misters on if it, if it suits that kind of plant. And, mate, frankly, you know, we, we, we believe with all due humility that we've got the best bloody edible garden bed in the world and... We're in 20 countries now and we, we, we're glorified carnies. We go from show to show all around the world and we have a squiz and see what's going on with others around the market. And, uh, no, I think I think us Aussies here, we're doing all right, mate, and uh, we're, we're proud to be to be bashing it out around the world. Brilliant. I definitely want to have a chat with you about some of the marketing soon, but before we mm. get there, I guess, so when I think of VeggiePod, I typically think of the consumer market. Now, yep. before we get to the commercial market, I just want to have a quick chat. Is it just for people with backyard, like small backyards, like courtyards and stuff like that? Or are you also getting people on the bigger properties coming for you as well? Yeah, yeah. well, actually, on the contrary. And and, and that's what, what you just said then has been the bane of our um, uh, existence in terms of trying to explain what we're good for. And we're, <laughs> because just like you, 
professional horticulturalists right through to someone that doesn't know the first thing about gardening. Everybody goes, looks at our veggie pods and they go, geez, you must be doing well in the uh, in the high density market. Great for small space gardening and writers, indeed, in, in all of the gardening magazines and and on, on the TV shows. We have to always change the scripts for the uh, the garden editors because they're always they're putting us in the bracket of small space gardening and 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 high res gardening and balcony gardening and courtyard. But that is less. And here's something for you, us, our competitors out there. They'll, they'll love to hear this. That's less than five percent of our market. For better or worse, wow. most of our usage and is in rural, semi-rural, regional, and large suburban gardens. As soon as you start coming more towards the inner city, veggie pods start fading away. Now, there's a few reasons to that because the veggie pod. I mean, that's not to put down why people think that because they're right. When you look at it, we are indeed a perfect garden for small spaces we are contained we are a no dig garden so you can put them on balconies and and courtyards and decks and and whatnot and it doesn't affect strata and all that sort of stuff and and it's uh you can make a it's environment a little bit more towards what you need despite where you may be living it is perfect for small space cutting however however what we found over the years is that dan that a couple things well one if if you are willing or, or or that sort of person that likes to live in an inner city, Surrey Hills slash, um, you know, St Kilda um, uh, or whatever, inner city apartment slash um, block of flats, then by your very nature, you probably don't care that much for plants. You might to a certain extent, don't get me wrong. Everyone's got a connection to nature and they'll have a few indoor plants and blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking about to the, to the level of where, you know what, I like space. Having a big yard or having a space is very important to who I am and, and, and my being and my family or whatever. And I also like to grow veg. Now, those people will, at, at that point where they either become that or have always been that, will go to somewhere where there's more space. And they are the very people that then buy veggie pods. So most of our pods are used for large backyards. Now, whether that is a small, medium, or large veggie pod, whether that is 10 veggie pods, 50 veggie pods, as some of our uh, uh, cult followers have got um, is all dependent upon the person and their budget and their needs. And are they just wanting to teach their kids or are they just wanting to do a few culinary herds so they don't need too much? Or is it someone that's wanting to get a lot more self-sufficient? Uh, that all changes, but mainly in big yards, mainly, I mean, we do all the ag shows, Dan. We, we go, we glorified carnies, as I said, we do five or six ag shows a month, every month of the bloody year, right? So the Dubbo ag show to the, to the Elmore, to Henty, to to Mudgee, to to all of these uh, rural areas, and they are some of our best buyers. Why? Because they get gardening. They are into edibles. They're into growing. They're into that whole sphere. Now, just because it's a two meter by one meter bed, doesn't mean that you then have to slot it in a little corner of, of an inner city mm. yard. Uh, these people will line three, four, five up because they are the best bloody bed out there, and and hence we've had commercial. Farmers even use them because of all their benefits. So we are good for everywhere, but the long and short of that is most of our usage are by people who are already generally interested in growing somewhat and have a big space. Right. So it's, the space is only just one of the pain points that you guys are solving. It's also, the as we've said, the climate control, it's yep. pest resistance, all these right. other things. So those are a bigger deal than the space. They are, yeah. I mean, I mean with the space thing, I, I guess – 
we kind of break it down when we, we, you know, we do create the small veggie pod, which a lot of other people, most edible growers will go, oh, hang on, what's even the point of that? But mm. if you do have a space issue, then to wheel around the little one or indeed the veggie bag, um, they are uh, solving that space problem. Or if they've got a no-dig area, then it's solving it. But it for us, as, as, as you alluded to just then, that, that's kind of just one small pain point of mm. gardening. We can do that for you. But now let's get into the crux of what... what um, causes issues for gardeners and and most of us will say it's the pests whether they be big or small it might be the bush turkey it might be the possum it might be the uh the, the cockies you know those big buggers with that with gnarly uh talons and everything else we stop those but it's also mm. the little buggers isn't it that can be just as damaging so your white butterflies your slugs your snails your cabbage moth all of those things which is again why the farmers have chosen this because it stops big and small um and they're the main issues for an edible gardener, um, having them not be pelted by the hail or scorched by the sun or affected by the frost, that's a main problem for an edible gardener. Um, having uh, uh, weeds come in, you know, it's a bit of an unsung hero, actually. We, we don't mention it too much with our veggie pods, and we're starting to learn to talk that up a bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's because maybe we got a bit too used to no, no weed gardening. But, you know, weeds, mm. usually airborne, sometimes soil-borne, yep. sometimes brought in by an insect if we want to get nerdy by it and all that sort of stuff. But let's face it, most of it's uh, soil-borne or, or wind-borne um, enemies coming in. And when weeds come in, they take and they, they they go for nutrients. You get competition going on and they'll start, you know, strangling the others. So we stop that. Apart from being a pain in the bum and having to go out there and, and pick all day and clean her out and blah, 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 um, you're also not having to have your plants fight for it. So that is another major issue that we that we tackle and, and and get rid of it now that doesn't mean there's no work to do in the veggie pod right there's another little thing that we go is and we don't want people to be a set and forget either dan and and we always say they go oh well i, I left it there mate and after a month or two she she didn't go to and we go yeah, oh well, yeah it's still a garden right it's, <laughs> you've got to get rid of the dead matter and you've got to you've got to give it a, a prune or you've got to get rid of the laterals out of there if you want this bit to grow better and blah 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 blah, blah. so we're not out there to disconnect people from gardening. On the contrary, and this is a big part of what VeggiePod is all about, and part of my role as head of community is the contrary, engaging people with gardening, making it easier to be sure, um, and particularly for beginners, but also experienced gardeners alike, um, making it easier, but just getting people growing and getting them growing successfully because that's a very important part of gardening. And what I've seen over the last 10 years in particular is that if people fail, which I think is not just garlic, but anything. If you fail something once, you tend, or there are a lot of humans that will then give up and go, yeah, I had that crack, not going to do it. So if we can make that degree of success um, go up or percentage of people succeeding on their first or second or third times and then creating that love forevermore in, in, in gardening, whether that continues to be an edible or not or whether that continues to be a vegetable or not, don't give the care to hoots really, but from a fellow human on this planet trying to do the right thing, then we're very proud of, of what we're doing and making gardening easier and getting them engaged with it. So that's great for them, it's great for society and it's great for the planet. Yeah, it's like it it is like training wheels for gardeners, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But you know, as I said, commercial guys use it too. And I think they would be going, oh hang on a minute, oh, don't 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 um, you know don't <laughs> downplay me as I need training wheels. We're just making yeah. it easier, you know? Um it, it's it's look um, our garden beds are a level up. We are 
the high end of garden beds. And, and, and you know, uh, people say, you know, well, how do you compare yourself with a standard garden bed? You know, you're all doing the same. And I said, well, it's like comparing a bicycle and a car. Do they both mm-hmm. get you from A to B? Yes. Are they a mode of transport? Yes. Uh, do they move a human? Yes. They're, they're all the yes. The, the, the crux of what they do are the same. But, geez, I mean, let, let's let's explain the differences between a, a, a BMX and a Lexus, right? They're, that's when you start going more features, more benefits. Now, does it make it easier to get you from A to B in the Lexus? Yes. Does that mean you're still going to be disconnected from the travel itself? No. And I like to think that's the same with our garden beds. We make it a, a an easier exercise. It's not a perfect exercise because that's gardening and that's life and that's 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 how life is. Nothing is easy and perfect and and uh, otherwise you, you defeat the purpose, as I said before. Yeah. Well, you can go to Woolies and Coles for veggies. Well, that's right. Yeah. And therein lies a big problem in society, doesn't it? I mean, and, and again, if, if we get people growing just a few things, um, and, I, and I get that feedback all the time, and they go, oh, Simon, I saw you growing uh, carrots uh, in one of your little social media stuff, mate. Oh, thanks very much. Took me four months to grow the bloody things. And I go... <laughs> Well, good. You know, now you know. You know, you should be thanking me, not going, why did you suggest growing carrots? Because I tell you what, mate, next time you go to the Coles and you go buy your $2 a kilogram carrots with little respect and taking it for granted for what the farmers and what planet Earth has given us there, now you might think twice about it. Same with that garlic bulb that took you six months, you know. So um, we, I, I love that whole learning process and it's if we could just happen once, just to get them educated, and that's half of VeggiePod's job. I, I will say that both prior to a sale and ongoing from the sales of products, whether half of our work, half of our job, for better or worse, for whether you consider us as a for-profit business or whatever, half of it is education, and it's telling people what to grow, when to grow soil management, uh, water management, uh, location of your gardens, where you get the suns, all this sort of stuff, what you should be growing now, what season or where it is, all this, what, you know, we're, uh, it's, it's, it's huge. And whether we like it or not, all of us here at VeggiePod are educators. And that might, you know, some of your uh, your listeners here be going, oh, God, you know, how, how are those people who are educating others? But you know what, it's, we're all in it. And um, and I think as part of the horticulture trade, we're all um, going to be, I think everybody listening knows that, that as soon as you start talking about gardening, whether it's your friend, your acquaintance, your customer, people will be asking questions and it's a fantastic thing for us to be able to pass that on. And if we can make things easier and, and more knowledgeable throughout that process, I think we're doing a good thing for society. Couldn't agree more, Simon. Look, I want to now move into the commercial sector. So we've talked about, okay, so we've got all these benefits from this particular product. But then when you think about like a commercial nursery, like they've got lots of costs, right? Why would they invest in their money into something like a veggie pod? Is it like why would somebody do that as a commercial grower? Well, again, I mean, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll preface that with, you know, we're, we're not always the weapon of choice of, of commercial growers. Um, we've, we've had a few of them use it. We had an organic strawberry farmer. That was a great example down in the south coast of New South Wales. Now, he did it purely because to get his organic certification, he needed mm. um, his surrounding soils not to be in contact with the soil in which he grew his uh, strawberries. And he didn't want to use hydroponics. Um, look, I am... Uh, you know, I, I might ruffle some feathers here. I'm not a hydroponics fan. You know, we all like different things. Uh, is there a place for hydroponics? Of course there is. Um, the fact that we've got such huge 
global growth of humanity and it's a way to to sate the appetite of uh, um, of, of modern-day life and getting things growing quickly in big places and out to markets like our hydroponic strawberry farms and hydroponic tomatoes, which, frankly, I think taste no good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, you know and, and, you know, to have to put chemically infused waters and, and all this sort of stuff. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a great supporter of hydroponics. I, I believe in soil. I think soil is a very part of our, of our ecosystems as well. The fact that we contain it within our beds is another uh, topic, I guess. But, look, we're, we're big proponents of soil. Um, our new indoor product even is soil, which is a groundbreaker, pardon the pun, because most indoor edibles are hydro. But back to this guy's point was that he didn't want to use hydroponics and he also didn't have great soils in where he was situated. So he used our beds knowing that it was completely contained, in which I didn't mention that as a benefit before, but it also doesn't have contaminants leaching into it. it doesn't have trees pilfering and, and roots and whatnot. So it's also what it stops coming in rather than also what we create on the inside. So he wanted that contained 30-odd veggie pods, large veggie pods down there to, to create beautiful, tasty, soil-borne, uh, organic uh, certified strawberries. Um, we had Osbreed which is a, a great local business out here, West of Sydney, and I'm sure most people who are listening to this one will know them as well. They had 20-odd of them used out there uh, because they have uh, they sell the, that really high-end tube stock and, uh, um, for, the, for, the, for the edible herbs to some mm. of you know, Sydney's best restaurants like Benelong and, and, and Rockpool and whatnot. And so they chose our uh, veg pods. They linked all the hoses together, so it was just on one, you know, splitters on all of them and, and, and just one turn hose on. The mist sprays would all come on, so it was easy. Bang, watering was going on. Um, they were protected, which was a big thing for them. They had to be pristine. So, yes, they're not, you know, feeding all the coals throughout Sydney's, but they had a niche market that they saw a, a need for the veggie pods could serve, and uh, they got them. So, look, it's about um, it's 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 about a certain probably niche that we currently use. Um, we have they're not businesses per se, but we have people, you know. Uh, using up to 50 to 60 large veggie pods at a time in the world. Um, and they are pretty well self-sufficient in terms of their all of their salad greens and their, and their veg and tomatoes. So they are serving a commercial uh, benefit to themselves, if you like, in that, in, in that they are not paying for their uh, veg. So um, there are clearly benefits from it. Um, will we ever compete with the large um, uh, or get into that large acreage? Look, I don't think so. Um, we just put 60 veggie pods on a rooftop uh, in Singapore, uh, which was a Buddhist monastery, and, and they've got a study there and, and uh, links to hospitals and whatnot. They are now u- using that for all of their salad greens that they need, being vegetarians there. So, look, it can be used on large scale, Dan, is, is the main point there. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, our, our focus is uh, everyday people at home, um, whether you are on a balcony, whether you are at the country, whether you are in suburbia, uh, we just want to get everybody at least growing a little bit of their food because we don't believe it. You know, we believe it's a human right that everyone should should be able to for a start. And if they don't, then you get this little uh, annoying bugger here. Uh, I, I, I'll then go around and saying, well, it's not just a human right. You bloody well should try at least once or twice and see what it's all about because I think it's going to do serve you well. Absolutely agree. Now, I want to paint a picture for you, Simon. Mm. I'm a maintenance gardener. And many times have I had clients, you know, digging up their garden and just sort of, they're frustrated because things aren't going the way they are. Possums, mice, white butterfly, you named a few of them. Like what in, like, 
I wish I had have really thought about the veggie pod a little bit more because I could have saved those clients a lot of headaches by just saying, hey, let's just, you know, in, instead of investing all this money into paying me to keep digging it up or, you know, keep spraying white oil on it or whatever, why don't we buy you a veggie pod? So what what do you think is the, are the opportunities for someone like a maintenance gardener like me recommending this for their clients? Yeah, well, most definitely. Look, I, I, I did a post on our Instagram a few years back and I and and I wrote, this this is one of the one of the times there where I really felt like we've made it, quote unquote. <laughs> and and you know why? Because I was driving along here in Sydney and and I parked up, and there was a uh, a garden landscaper maintenance guy with his um, ute parked out the front. One of those big, you know, the the, the trays are all enclosed at the top, and he had his he had his big plaque across it, and basically said, you know, here's my number, here's my name, you know, get me in for these jobs, and he had. You know, uh, lawns, uh, tree lopping, da da da. And the last bullet point there was veggie pod uh, assembly. <laughs> Anyways, I went, well, you know what? Isn't that fantastic? And, and I, I really do. Well, that was a testament to a start, obviously, that it started to become ubiquitous here amongst the northern beaches anyway, where, and he was probably coming across it time and again. Um, but look, so that presents an opportunity in itself. Well, look, we're, we're getting widespread these days in Australia. Um, but it does serve the purpose, as you say, because a lot of, landscape gardeners and, and we've got quite a few a few mates here in, in Sydney which has said as much they will not only force their clients to spend thousands of dollars doing a, a big old you know uh, hard um, sleeper timber bed but also then getting in strife all the time because the expectations from the uh, clients are that it's just going to remain pretty and it's going to be dishing out the, the food and it's going to be looking after itself and they're hassling the poor landscape guys all the time saying, what's happening mm. with my garden, man? He's going, I'm not actually your <laughs> vegetable gardener, right? So yeah. we've, we've had a lot of the guys come now and they, they'll even buy veggie pods at a trade rate and go out and resell them as their weapon of choice for their customers. And then they know that their customers will have an easier time. It will be self-watering with the wicking beds. They won't have as many pest problems. They won't have as many weather problems. And they're not having to bend over with the standard uh, guard, raised garden beds. Now they're up completely prostrate. So, um, look, they, there is an opportunity for them. We do, we do do business deals with a lot of landscape companies um, or people just choose them to make their own life easier. Um, and, and we're, of course, happy to talk to anybody and everybody about that in, in their particular market. And, you know, people, sometimes we've had landscape guys who specialise in aged care. That's what they do. And then I can wax lyrical and tell them and give them some jobs and examples because I think, you know, people need that that exemplification of why it works and why it's better. And, and we're certainly here to help share those stories, particularly the community ones. We have a lot of them, which we can make people feel a little bit more assured about uh, what they can do as, as part of their job. Because if you recommend something, then you're putting your name to it, right? And you become responsible for it. So uh, I think the one good thing about us compared to some of these other garden bed companies which are coming into Australia is that we are Aussie. We do have five people just in our admin team in here helping people uh, on the on the god forbid we talk to them and uh, we talk to them within a business day so look we're here to support everybody and anybody that uses vegetables whether they are a tradie or whether they are a direct consumer so i guess you know how you differentiate yourself from your competitors then is this full climate control it's the high quality it's the customer service and it's where you're sold so you're sold in bunnings which is a pretty Great place to be sold. Well, well, we, we well we were we were sold in Bunnings, um, but not anymore. Um, 
and it's just it was just it didn't suit our model, you know. Like Bunnings, of course, is is um, look, it's got its advantages, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it, you know. You, you asked, I always ask people, why do you go to Bunnings? And I, I think the number one word they always use is, is convenient, which kind of annoys me somewhat because convenience doesn't necessarily mean best, right? Your convenience stores don't sell your best milk or don't sell your best butters either, do they? So if you, and and likewise, if I, you know. Uh, my personal view is well, it's not my personal view. I mean, let's face it. Um, Bunnings sells things at a low price. That is their game. Now, you know, we'll beat everything by ten percent wherever it is. That's about a mm. price offering. Um, they don't go banging on in their in their uh, ads about quality uh, because that's not their game. And um, that's why VeggiePod. Although we we did dance there, we dance with those guys for a year after we won Shark Tank about seven or eight years ago. Back down now. Um, much to the chagrin of some of our independent um, uh, uh, stockists, we did give them a bash with one with one SKU, and it just didn't suit because people generally going into there, the clientele, they want to get something cheap, something that's quick and easy, and they just go straight down there, and that's not what we are, and proudly so. You know, that's why you don't get Webers in Bunnings, that's why you don't get KitchenAids in Bunnings, that's why you don't get Still in Bunnings. They are higher end, yeah, sure they cost more, but in my view, higher value, more features. More benefits. It's 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 a richer product. Uh, you're going to get better quality. Uh, you're going to get things that will last longer. Um, whereas that's not really Bunnings' model. Um, so, is there a place for uh, both types of uh, those channels or, or, or styles of selling or styles of products? Yeah, sure. Um, but we're on this end of the thing, and I think that's why the independent garden centres who do focus on quality do focus on um, what else it does for their gardeners because. You know, if you are a true gardener, in my view, what from what I've seen talking to people around the world, they will still go to a garden centre. Will mm. they venture into Bunnings from time to time? Sure, sure, we all we all have. You know, it's, it's not a crime. But but <laughs> the, the independent garden centres, in my view, are where you go find your real quality stuff. It's where you go find your Weber and your still and your veggie pods. It's where you go find your better quality plants, and and um, it's where you go you find your. Uh, longer serving and higher trained horticulturalists. That's just a fact. You know, it's not a view, that's a fact. And so if you are into gardening, of course, where are you going to go? You prefer to go to an independent garden centre and go find it. So um, I love supporting those guys. I think those guys, have, you know, they've nicely supported us back as well as a whole. Um, we are now in 250 independent garden centres and independent mitre tens around Australia. Um we are old school that way too. We have reps on the road. They we we have a rep in each capital city. They go visit the stores. We create human relationships, God forbid, with our customers and go in and make sure that things are looking right. We look after them, and they look after us. and And I am a very proud member of the nursery, uh, independent nursery and garden industry. And and um, well, we we won the uh, the uh, NGINA uh, supplier of the year last year, and I, that was a very proud moment for us too because that's voted by peers within the industry that whom we supply to that that are going to be very judgmental of course and so they should be so um look we we've uh we we are multi-channel though and that's another thing of veg look can we be found in other places apart from the retail store network yes we can um but we've balanced that well we protect our retail stores and we look after them but we have direct online we are on Frequent flyers, Qantas and flybys and Virgin Velocity and Amex and MasterCard. So, you know, which is, again, a big testament to the brand and the quality. They don't put anybody up there. you got to be 
uh, the, the still of garden beds. Um, we are in. We go out to shows. We do physical shows. We do blood, sweat, and tears. Five or six of those every month. Um, we are in communities of which I drive: schools, hospitals, prisons, aged care, disabilities, immigration homes, women's refuge, uh, mental hospice. You name it. We're out there driving the uh, the, the therapeutic gardening out there as well. Um, and uh, you know we're in corporate team events. We get people corporates growing on site. We get get them going during their corporate social responsibility days at needy and vulnerable groups. Um, and, and you know we're in all of these channels. We're in TV shopping. You name it, we're out there, and 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 proudly so. And there's a nice fine balance there. And and uh, if if we're getting extra people growing and into gardening, I know that uh, the rest of our horticultural cohort will be appreciative of that. Completely agree. Yeah, we're all in this together, mate. Yep. So. How would you respond if somebody, like if I said to you right now, why wouldn't I just make this myself? Like why wouldn't I just go and buy all the parts or scrap them from down the tip and then make it myself? What what do you say to someone when they ask you that? What I say to them is please go and do that. And <laughs> and if you can do, and, and and if you can get it for the same price and the same no hassle as a vegetable, don't even count your hours, by the way, of, of putting all this together and driving around and your petrol and your and the heartache of, of going and finding all the right parts and, and banging your, your fingers with the hammers and all everything else and, and getting your drills. Forget all that part. Just the parts and just and and going back and getting and doing exactly what ours does. If you can even get it at the same retail price, let alone the wholesale. Come back to me and I'm gonna hire you as a product development manager next year on a full time salary. And I've had that. I've had the old Jim Bobs, don't worry, come up every show. Oh, g'day, mate. Oh, look at that. That's a bloody ripoff, mate. I could make that for half the bloody price, mate. Okay. Thank you, sir. And I give him the same spiel that I just told him. I said, yeah, I bloody well will. I'll come back next year. That same old fella, he normally comes back, starts pulling out his wallet, and he goes, I'll take one. As a matter of fact, I'll take two. But, <laughs> because, you know, that's what we've done. We, we mass produce now. We've, we don't use any tools. Um. It's not a standard four-wall bed, which is what most people think, I can knock that up. No. You go and get something that's going to be a 50-litre uh, holding wicking wells that has the wicking wells in it, that has the overflow holes, that has all the design to complete the design it and doesn't leak out and leach. Um, I want to have um, high-grade mesh that stops pests but still permeable and all that. You've got to have mist sprays in it. You, I want to have high quality. I don't want just some little thin, little, you know, half-inch board that's been cut down from Chinese uh, forest. I want to have gal steel stands that are powder coated that don't rust three fossils. You put all that quality, all those features, all that depth, everything else together, and I say there's no way you're going to get near it. And that's why you pay me a buck because I've made it easy for you. And, by the way, it's all breaks down and, and can flat back and you can take it away. That's, that's why we sell it to you because we make it easy and it's a good product. So... Uh, my bottom line answer to that then, Dan, is you can't. Mm. <laughs> I mean, if some people will do it for the joy, now that's a different thing. When old Jim Bob is is is, is having uh, fun because he's got his little project and, and off he goes and does it, good on you. You know, we're, we're not out there to stop that. I love going building things too, which I could could have bought probably cheaper. This It's not about that. What we're about is for the average person, for you to try to do all of these things that the VeggiePod does and to the quality and to for the amount of time that it will last, mind you, which is forever, um, it's it's just a great value proposition and we wouldn't want you going away trying to slave and make all the mistakes that we did 12 years ago. Absolutely. 
that was actually the next question I was going to ask you was how much do they cost? Well, we've got different sizes. I mean, if you start at the small one, and, and I'm talking without, um, without, a, uh, without the stand. So if you want to really get a low price point and, you know, an, an easy entry just to have a little dabble, I mean, you can even start with our veggie bags, which is the only self-watering grow bag in the world, by the way, with, with a reservoir on the bottom and it's got our signature mesh over the top. But you can start that at less than 100 bucks, 99 bucks. Have a crack, see how they work. Then you start moving up to the small veggie pod, half a metre by one. So now you're only 200 bucks without the stand. But let's talk it with the stands because that's how most people do get it. Small veggie pod with a stand, whole kit caboodle, $300. You then double your size, go to the medium, you don't double your price. So now you're one metre by one metre and it goes to 400 bucks. Then again, double your size, don't double your price. The large one, two metre by one metre garden, a proper bloody garden. Uh, significant soil depth, the one foot, only goes to six ninety. Now, as those tradies knew and professionals in the trade, let alone um, um, uh, you know uh, people that have tried to make it themselves, you try to build a standard four wall bed for that with all your big timbers and your screws and whatever else. Forget all the other stuff: wicking beds, mesh, misters, uh, you know, four foot of depth. Just the four walls, you're spending pretty much about the same, let alone your time, right? But we're putting all that in. So, we look, no one ever blinks at the price, Dan, and that's why we've been able to set up VeggiePod Philippines and VeggiePod Mauritius where they have a very low disposal income. Even over there, people are buying them because they are very reasonably priced for what they do. So uh, we're quite proud on how we brought that, those prices down. Absolutely. This isn't a sponsored episode, but, yeah, I have to admit <laughs> that it's a lot cheaper than what you would think looking at it. Right. So tell us about the materials. So, you know, sustainability and all that. Mm. Where do the materials come from? How long do they last? And how can they be disposed of responsibly at the end of their life? Yeah, great questions. Let's start with that last one. Every part of the veggie pot is recyclable. So virgin polypropylene, the polyethylene, they're all recyclable. So they can go back into the system. And as we always joke around, we say they never do because they never go back into the system because they're constantly being used. And therein lies a very good that's why we get one big great green cred store is is the um, durability alone. You know, they aren't single-use, double-use, quadruple-use. They go on and on and on, and we've been going for 12 years. The original models are still out there kicking the veggie out. So the durability alone is a great green cred. Um, they are recyclable, however, if for some weird reason someone wants to put it back into the system. Um, they And the stands, of course, are made out of steel. So... We looked at another green, um, and by the way, I think, again, testament to how green we are is that we um, uh, we were in the finals for the Telstra Business Awards under the sustainability uh, um, division. And, um, you know, it's it's also what we enable that gives us a great green score. And this was part of the, the, the pitch that we did with those Telstra Business Awards. They said, let's just assume for one second that we were the worst polluting per, you know, per bit of plastic that's going out and pollutants going back out into the Yangtze River or whatever. Just assume that for a minute. Even then, we are a green company because the very business of what we're in, the very essentials of what we enable, and that is enabling people to grow food at home, stopping all the carbon miles of, you know, those frozen berries coming from Chile and all the all the processing that goes into that and the packaging and the freezing and the and the, the trucks and the shipping and the bringing it over to here and then the trucks and stuff. We create a very green society by what we enable. And that's where Telstra's just going, yeah, we never thought it about it that way because 
You know, you can get these other companies that are making tobacco or making weapons or making other things that aren't so great for society, but they get these green awards just because they're using composting bins at the work or they've got, uh, you know, they've got solar panelling on their bloody roofs. You know, that's all well and good and good on you for doing that too. But what do you actually do for society is what we put to them. And by the way, we aren't the worst pollutants and we don't have people, you know, uh, getting flogged and in making these we are very conscious on that we have modern slavery acts and all that into place um so we have that great credit in terms of um also what they're made out of um it's been a, an interesting one over the years we've stuck with the virgin polypropylene because it is certifiably food safe um now talking to the government and i've gone to federal ministers we've gone to um you know the plastic producers here in australia uh, consultants professional all that um there is conjecture, there is, it's a bit of a grey area as to whether a garden bed is a food-containing vessel or not. Um, you know, if you are an ice cream container or if you are a child's school lunchbox plastic container, you are considered a, a, um, a food-containing vessel, hence you should be also certifiably food safe. Now, speaking to the consultants over the years, finally it looks like, you know, if we really wanted to be not that caring, we might be able to get away with not having them as food-grade products, required products, because they're saying it's a vessel that contains soil, so it's got to go into the soil, then it's got to go from the soil into the roots and into the fibres or whatever, and then it may go up to the roots and through osmosis get up to the leaves and blah, blah, blah. There are so many different processes that may get to the final eating part that the other professionals, not us, have said, we don't even think you have to abide by that food classification, Simon. If you want to make them out of recycled plastics, go ahead, even if they may not potentially be. But we know that a myriad of plastics go into these recycled plastics, hundreds of different types, and they are not food safe. They, they've never been certified to be food safe. Um, so, but we're, we're erring towards more on the organic style and we're going, you know what, we're not going to risk it. Um, we will pay more, mind you, um, because uh, you know that's becoming more costly. We, we have access to very, very cheap recycled plastics here in Australia because there's a problem with surplus plastics here, and that's another whole argument. But we have stuck to that for that food safety reason because we focus on edible growing. Um, now, as we said, they are recyclable at the end, um, and uh, they are very durable as well. So, um, you know, we we we. We never rest on our laurels and thinking that we cannot improve. We were always looking to do it. We're always engaging in, in, in professionals in the business. But uh, as far as it stands at the moment and from what we look around compared to some of these other beds, which, you know, it, it's strange, isn't it? Um, it it's, it's all about education again. People see these timber beds and they go, oh, that's better for the environment. It's from, uh, you know, organic <laughs> materials. And they go, well, hang on a minute. What is the story of the production and what's the story in terms of its ongoing life and longevity and process? And you see some of these other thin timber beds and will remain, you know, the, the names will remain unknown here. But, you know, they come from Chinese forests and they may say they're sustainable, but they break down and I've seen them. We use them and test them, of course, here and, and within a couple of years can rot, you know, in certain environments. And then what happens? Well, someone's out there going... Chopping down, burning fossil fuels with a with a uh, processor. They put them into the trucks. They go along, and then they're putting them in the processing mill. There's more fossil fuels. Then they're putting them into trucks. Off to the wharf, cranes. Then they put them on a boat. And they're coming in. There's this, and then that's only going it to Australia. That whole process starts again. Packaging more carbon. All of this uh, uh, journey of having to reproduce these ones that look good. 
superficially on the outside from the thing, but when they break down, you have to reproduce them, is a huge um, climate issue in my view. And it gets, you know, I, I don't want to go out there and trash the other brands. I'm just saying that people need to dig in and go beyond the, you know, like the old um, animal farm, you know, everything with uh, two legs is bad, everything four legs is good. You know, like you need to go beyond a little look and what we've got and get, there's a lot bigger story to every single product. And I urge um, both professionals who are listening here and consumers at home to have a think about that. And, and I'm certainly more than happy to chat to people about those processes and what we know of them. Brilliant. Simon, at the end of every episode, I always like to ask my guests, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about? Oh, gosh. In terms of in terms of us or in terms of horticulture as a whole or what? Could be. I always say you could recommend a charity, uh, advocate for a change in the world or plug yourself. Okay. Well, look, I mean, I, I think... Well, I've just come back from the Therapeutic Horticulture uh, Association, uh, the National Australian one. Uh, we had our annual conference there. Um, I'm not on the board. I'm not even on a subcommittee of some sort. Um, we are proud sponsors and indeed foundational sponsors and, and contributors to that association. And uh, if anybody is involved in horticulture, I think we all have that innate understanding that uh, uh, horticulture and gardening is therapeutic on some kind of level to every single human being and it doesn't matter whether you have a particular challenge or not whether it's a physical challenge or you mental health issues or overall well-being or a connection to spirituality whatever it is we all know in horticulture that it's bloody good for people so although we've got these new things like forest bathing now and and groups like ours therapeutic horticulture we all know it's good and it happens whether we study it or or put it into a, a, a school of, 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 of uh, like-minded people. It happens. But I do urge our listeners to and, and think, have they, have they tried engaging uh, with that mob before? Um, there are a lot of good people out there in different niches which may suit everybody's niche, um, whether you're a nurse or a teacher um, or a, uh, you know, a prison warden or an aged care activities coordinator or a carer for someone with uh, disabilities. Um if you know someone, and we all know someone in that situation, a friend or a loved one, um, have a think about those uh, therapeutic gardening aspects and have a look at what the THA does. Um, and there are other people in there that are specialising in providing support or even just information or encouragement around that. And uh, I'd, I'd like people to, to engage further with that because the more we get that, the more, again, horticulture comes to the fore in society in some, in some way. So, yeah, please, please check it out. Completely agree. I think we're never going to get people into this industry. We need them desperately if we can't communicate the benefits of being in our industry. You bet. You bet. And I tell you what, I was just having this chat the other day because I got another email from our uh, the Nursery Garden Industry uh, newsletter and and the the every second week um, the EDM is veil so-and-so, veil so-and-so. And, and that sounds terrible uh, on, on the, on the uh, superficial level there, doesn't it? There's, oh, there's, there's another person dying, another person dying. But you know what? I think it's a wonderful thing, not the death itself, of course, but I think what that shows about our industry and about our group and about our cohort is that we are one of the very rare ones where we have engagement with and respect of and listening to people right to their very ends right to, to our very ends on these days, right? Like we have. The, the older you get, the better you get at gardening in, in general, right? And that's why we all as relatively younger people and, and everyone in this industry 
looks up to that. And so the fact that we have notifications that that people within our cohort are passing away, I think is a terrific thing. And it's something that I try to espouse to the uh, people in other industries. And, you know, I came from a corporate background at one point. Okay, Anyone that was over 50 or 60 were generally fading off into the background, retiring, or you never hear about them ever again. But we in this horticulture industry, and I've only been in it now for, say, 10 years, but I consider myself deeply embedded in it, is I love that, is that we are engaging with everybody to all ages and to all walks of life. And I think that's an important thing that we need to promote to um, the rest of society, particularly when we're trying to get people involved in work. So, you know what, you've got something here you can do to your end of days, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Completely agree. It's addictive. You don't want to give it up. And I think that that does also mean that there are lots of opportunities in our industry, for, especially for young people, but for anyone of any age. Like we yeah. desperately need more people to come into this industry. You bet. Totally agree. Thank you so much for your time, Simon. Have a great day, mate. You're welcome. Cheers, Dan. Check out the links in the show notes to learn more about VeggiePod. There's also a link to hortpeople.com in the show notes, the job board I built for horticulturists and green industry workers. Chuck your resume up there now and let employers chase you for a change. While you're at it, check out the Plants Grow Here back catalogue episodes to keep this party going. You'll find something else in there that you enjoy listening to. 